What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. We have a big Senior Bowl slash Super Bowl show. Boys in the Big Apple, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Wednesdays. Before that, NYY News TV, of course. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Twin Bill premieres at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so there's that as well. Going to be an interesting episode. With that being said, this might be a longer episode than anticipated for some of you. If you guys got work or something or whatever, I'm just going to let you know that this may be a longer episode than I usually take because there are a lot of defensive coordinator candidates. I've done research going back to 2015, and there's a couple other nuggets to talk about. So let's get into it with everything else out of the way. The Giants make front office changes. We'll go into defensive coordinator candidates. We'll talk about the futures contracts and then a little bit of the senior bowl because I was on classified 3F with Joel's live. Uh, I was on it at him and Big Pat and Super Taj. Shouts to you, man. I was on their live stream and we had a good time. Watched some players were interested, not interested in some players. We'll talk about it towards the end. And just my overall thoughts, who impressed me, who didn't, in terms of practices also as well. So the Giants did make a couple of front office moves. And to be honest with you, one is something I didn't expect. But I'll talk about it in just a second. So Brandon Brown is the new assistant general manager of the New York Giants. He has no relation to Joe Shane, no relation to the Buffalo Bills. Let's get into his resume real quickly. I'm just going to preview him real quick. So, he started out as a pro personnel intern with the New York Jets in 2012. Went back to his alum or alumni or, you know, however you say. It. I don't think it's alma mater. If it's, if it's alma mater, you know what? It's alma mater, whatever. Went back to Boston College in 2013 as a recruiting specialist. Was the assistant director of player personnel with Boston College in 2014, 2015. Of course, the Eagles website being really crappy. I'm a Giants fan, so they probably know that. Uh, tracking my cookies and shit. With that being said, 2015 went to the Indianapolis Colts as a scouting assistant. Moved up to advanced scout in 2016. 2017 took the job with the Philadelphia Eagles as the assistant director of pro scouting. So 2018. Then 2019, he was promoted to the director of pro scouting. Held that position until 2021 and was instantly promoted to director of player personnel. And let me say this. I'm not going to go too much into him. Because that's for me to research and a couple other things, whatever. You really don't find much about these guys unless it's, oh, this guy knew this guy and this guy knew this guy. He apparently did have some major involvement in drafting Jordan Mailata, who is now the Philadelphia Eagles starting left tackle. I know Bobby Skinner refers to him as crybaby, but he's been a good left tackle over the past year, year and a half that he has played. So shout out to Jordan Mailata, former rugby player. There's another rugby player coming out of the draft that plays tackle. His name is Daniel Falele out of Minnesota. Fun fact for you guys. But with that being said, if he had a hand in drafting Mailata, a project, someone that was experimental in the seventh round, and then, you know, the Eagles... What are they good at? They're good in the trenches. They're good with their defensive line, their offensive line. Brandon Brooks in the past, uh, he just retired. Jason Kelsey, they drafted Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, some of those other guys. They're good in the trenches, especially on the offensive line. So he brings in Brandon Brown, meaning Joe Shane. 
that's going to have a lot of influence on what the Giants do this offseason, him being the assistant general manager, and in terms of just dealing with the O-line in general. So glad to have you as a part of the New York Giants. Brandon, please give us some insight so we can beat the fucking Eagles and we can actually sweep them rather than just half-ass it once a year. With that being said, Kevin Abrams is demoted. Not much to talk about on this. He is now the role of something strategist. Let me just take a look. They did demote him, and he did respectfully offer to give up his position as assistant general manager. He was the assistant general manager under Dave Gettleman. So now he is the senior vice president of football operations. And also, he has a new role. I just can't find it for some reason. Yeah, I can't find it. for. Okay, here we go. Senior Vice President of Football Operations and Strategy. So, he's named a new role. This is not surprising, to be quite honest with you. It's not surprising because he offered to give up that role. And Joe Shim was going to hire his guy eventually, whether it be after the draft, before the draft, whatever. But it's important to have your guys in there, the guys you can trust, go into free agency, go to the draft, do whatever you got to do. With that being said, Mark Conch is now gone. He has not been retained. And that's really the first of many shakeups with this front office. And I said to Giant fans, do not be impatient. A lot of this stuff is going to come after the draft because some of these guys in the front office, like the Chris Pettits and the Tim McDonald's, they already have their guys. They already have the scouting done and a lot of this other stuff. So he's not going to say, okay, let's get my guys in here. We have to draft and just like scout again. That's why I said, wait till after the draft. Maybe you'll see some shakeups. But Mark Conch is gone. He's done. He was the co-director of player personnel, sharing that role with Tim McDonald, John Mara's nephew. And he apparently was Dave Gettleman's right-hand man. So that's obviously a good reason to get the fuck out of here. Uh, Giants obviously need shakeup in that department. Sayonara, Mark. Hopefully, uh, Joe Shane gets to somebody else. And, you know, that starts the cleanup. That starts the cleanup of the front office. And I hope it moves swiftly because, listen, we do have the draft. Obviously, not all the guys are going to be cut until after the draft and maybe a year or two and if Joe Shane finds them useful. But a lot of these guys have been a part of the destruction for the last couple of years. So it's not like, oh, well, you can keep them for this reason, keep them for that reason, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just just not going to happen. But with that being said, we have to go into one of the larger topics on the day. That is... Of course, the defensive coordinator profiling. Let me take a sip, and we'll go over our first candidate in just a second. All right, so I will reveal my top candidates at the end. So far, I believe the Giants have five or six guys. They have a total of six guys, actually five, my mistake. What is yet to be interviewed? So it's really four candidates. Terrell Austin was considered... To be a part of the conversation, but he got hired recently as the Steelers defensive coordinator. So the first one is Don Martindale. This is one of the top guys, probably the favorite to be hired. He came in two years ago for the Giants head coaching vacancy. Did not get it. Joe Judge got it. With that being said, let's go into his resume. 
So for Don Martindale, let's check where he is from. So Don Martindale is 58 years old. He went to Defiance College, which is in Defiance, Ohio. Defiance, that's a, that's a name, all right. With that being said, he was their defensive coordinator between 1986 and 1987, so he's been in the game a long time. Was an assistant at Notre Dame between 94 and 95. Went to Cincinnati from 96 to 98 to be their special teams and linebackers coach. In 1999, he went to Western Illinois as the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. Went on to Western Kentucky, defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach 2000-2003. Then moved on up to the NFL with the Oakland Raiders in 2004. Had that role to 2008, linebackers coach. Then moved to the Denver Broncos, same division, 2009 as the linebacker coach. With that being said, he was promoted to defensive coordinator in 2010 with the Broncos. That was the year that Josh McDaniels got fired. I'm not going into that because that's 10, 11, 12 years ago. I don't know that really that has any bearing on what he's done recently. So after what it seems is a year off, Martindale joined the Ravens joined the Super Bowl Ravens in 2012 as their linebackers coach, held that role till 2017. They did whatever with their defensive coordinator, probably retired, did whatever. And then he became the defensive coordinator in 2018 and held that role to 2021 when him and John Harbaugh parted ways. So I'll explain a little bit of his style at the end, and I'll just go through the teams that he has been a part of, who they drafted, a little bit of insight into that. So... They did have a big draft class in 2018. They drafted Anthony Averett out of Alabama. That was their first defensive pick. That was in the fourth round. They drafted Kenny Young, linebacker out of UCLA. They also drafted Deshaun Elliott, safety out of Texas. And they also drafted Zach Sealer out of Ferris State in the seventh round. So it looks like most of this draft was dedicated to to the offense and according to this they really didn't make many free agent signings so they meant uh, went mostly draft but overall let's take a look at the defense and obviously with this stuff I take a look at the advanced analytics from 2018 on before that pro football reference really doesn't cover that stuff until the 2018 year with that being said though the Ravens went 10 and 6 in Lamar Jackson's rookie year, he took over about halfway through. How many games through? They were first in total yards per game on the defensive side of the ball. Against the pass, they were fifth. Against the run, they were fourth. And in points per game, they were second. In terms of interceptions, they were 17th, 11th in sacks. First in blitz percentage. This is a common theme with Don Martindale. Third in pressure percentage. 18th in missed tackles. 22nd in turnover differential. And 22nd in turnovers. You look at their pro bowlers and their interception leaders and sack leaders as well. Brandon Williams, CJ Mosley, and Eric Weddle. You look at their interception leaders, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, and Marlon Humphrey. Brandon Carr, obviously we all know with the Odell Beckham catch. In 2018, he had two interceptions, 46 completions on 92 targets, 50 percent completion so that's right at 50 696 yards no touchdowns give it up at a 66.2 passer rating also 45 tackles so good year for Brandon Carr in terms of Jimmy Smith he had two interceptions as well gave up 33 completions on 61 targets 54.1 completion percentage 417 yards two touchdowns at 72.9 passer rating then Marlon Humphrey he had two interceptions like the other two 
42 completions on 89 targets, 47.2 completion percentage. That's really low, but that's a good thing as well. 471 yards, 69.1 passer rating give up, and four touchdowns. You take a look at the sack leaders. Zadarius Smith, 25 quarterback hits, 10 tackles for a loss, 8.5 sacks, which is a year before he went to Green Bay. 35 pressures, total of 16 games played in. He also started eight games. With that being said, Terrell Suggs as well. I think this was his last year as a Baltimore Raven before going to Arizona, Kansas City. He had a total of seven sacks, 37 pressures, total of 34 tackles, 16 games started. And then Matt Judon, who would later leave the Ravens a couple of years later, seven sacks, 36 pressures, total of 16 games played, eight games started. With that being said, you move to 2019. Obviously, they didn't get far in the playoffs. They lost the Chargers by six points. They had a better season in 2019. A lot of people had them as Super Bowl favorites. They went 14 and 2. 14 and 2. They had a total of 13 Pro Bowlers. With that being said, they were fourth against uh, fourth in total yards per game, sixth against a pass, fifth against a run, third in points per game, twelfth. In interceptions, 21st in sacks, that probably had to deal with the loss of Zadarius Smith. First in blitz percentage, 15th in pressure percentage, 28th in missed tackles, 6th in turnover differential, 7th in turnover. So they did have a couple of good pro bowlers. Earl Thomas, in terms of coverage, you have 11 completions, 25 targets, 2 interceptions, 44% completion. A passer rating of 24.2, so that's really good. 113 total yards given up. And 49 tackles in 15 games. Marlon Humphrey, he gave up 51 completions on 88 targets, 3 interceptions, 68.4 passer rating, 3 touchdowns. Also, you have Marcus Peters, who I believe they traded for in that season. He gave up a completion percentage combined of 55.6. He allowed 50 targets on 90. Uh, excuse me, he allowed 50 completions on 90 targets. 597 yards, 5 touchdowns, 71.4 passer rating in combined with 53 tackles. Then Matt Judon was the leading sacker. He had a total of 9.5 sacks, 31 pressures, 16 games played, total of 54 tackles as well. So there are the Pro Bowlers. There are the top defensive players. Uh, in terms of where they got, well, they lost to the Titans in the divisional round. So 14 and two in a one and done. Not great, not great. But 2020, move on to the next year. It's all about moving on. Let me just go over the draft class real quick. They drafted Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech, uh, defensive end, and then they later selected Dalen Mack in the fifth round. But before that, they did select Iman Marshall, cornerback out of USC. So there's that. Anyway, 2020. The Ravens went 11-5. and five. They had a couple of Pro Bowlers. With that being said, Don Martindale's defense. Seventh in total yards per game. Sixth against the pass. Eighth against the run. Second in points per game. 28th in interceptions. 14th in sacks. First in blitz percentage. Fourth in pressure percentage. Second in missed tackles. Twelfth in turnover differential. And 17th in turnovers. Of pro Bowlers obviously has to be Marlon Humphrey once again. You have 65 completions on 106 targets, one interception, 61.3 completion percentage, 651 yards, total of three touchdowns given up with the 84.3 passer rating, also 82 tackles overall. Matt Judon had six sacks. This was the year before he went into free agency, signed with the Patriots. Six sacks, 
32 pressures, 21 quarterback hits. So even though he doesn't have the greatest sack numbers, quarterback hits are important too. With that being said, he did play in 14 games. Take a look at Calais Campbell as well. I believe he was a pro bowler. Yes, he was. He had a total of 28 tackles, 4 sacks, 13 pressures, 12 games, and then interception leader Marcus Peters allowed 55 completions on 86 targets, 4 interceptions, 64 completion percentage, 627 yards, 3 touchdowns, 78 passer rating with 52 tackles attached to it. And then the draft class, um, Patrick Queen, that's a big one. Justin Matabwik, if I'm saying that correctly, out of Texas A&M. Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. Broderick Washington Jr. out of Texas Tech. And the Geno Stone safety out of Iowa. In terms of players added, I obviously mentioned Calias Campbell, Derek Wolf as well. They also added Jake Ryan. And that's pretty much it in terms of the defensive side of the football. In 2019, did they add anyone through free agency? They did not. So there is nothing to go over there. With that being said, 2021 was a big disappointment for the Baltimore Ravens. They went 8-9. No defensive Pro Bowlers whatsoever. In terms of players added, they added Geno Stone, re-signed him again because they cut him, and then they re-signed him again. That process, they signed Chris Smith. Justin Houston was a big one. In terms of losing players, they lost Matt Judon, Jihad Ward, which is a role player, Yannick Ngakwe, they lost him, so that was a big one in terms of their pass rush as well. He went to the Las Vegas Raiders. They lost Jaron Curse. They traded Sean Wade away later in August and a couple other defensive players as well in the 2021 draft. They did select Olafe, a.k.a. Jason Away, out of Penn State with the 31st pick. Then they selected Brandon Stevens at SMU cornerback in the third round. They also selected Sean Wade in this same draft. He was really falling out in terms of draft stock, I remember, because there were concerns about him moving to safety, and there's a lot of issues there. With that being said, he was selected in the fifth round, cornerback at Ohio State, and then finally, they selected Dalen Hayes, outside linebacker, at an Notre Dame. How did the defense do? Well, they didn't do well. 25th in total yards per game, 32nd against the pass. That's a big drop-off. First against a run, 19th in points per game, 28th in interceptions, 23rd in sacks, 6th in blitz percentage, 24th in pressure percentage, 13th in missed tackles, 28th in turnover differential, 30th in turnovers. Their leading sacker was Tyus Bowser, 26 pressures, 59 tackles, 7 sacks in 17 games. Their leading guy in terms of interceptions, Anthony Averett, gave up 56 completions on 101 targets, Three interceptions overall, 768 yards, three touchdowns given up, a 77.5 pass rating, 54 total tackles in 14 games. So overall, I would guess analysis on Don Martindale. One thing that sticks right at you, he's very aggressive. He is very aggressive in terms of getting the quarterback. And sometimes that can not really match up with turnovers. I like what Justin Panik said. He said it's harder to sustain a good defense rather than offense in the NFL. And it really shows. You're going to see with some of these candidates, they have great turnover numbers. They don't have great turnover numbers the next year. Sacks. It really deals with coaching and just talent overall. And I feel that 2021 was a big hit 
to Martindale. I don't know what the issue was. They did have a lot of injuries, and let me just go over some real quick. Marlon Humphrey was a big one. Deshaun Elliott, uh, Aaron Crawford, nose tackle. I've never heard of him, so I'm not going to say that's big or not big, whatever. Uh, Dalen Hayes went on IR. Derek Wolf, Marcus Peters, Iman Marshall. There's a couple other guys as well. So they had big, big injury issues. Um, and I guess just the talent really didn't match up with Martindale and what he wanted to do because with Matt Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, all these other guys being gone, and then you have guys going on IR, that, I guess, didn't match up with the way he wanted to be aggressive. So the way he was aggressive, I guess he couldn't, just obviously drawing conclusions here, he couldn't really, I would say, adjust to other sides of the football, you know, going to zone, going to man more rather than just being aggressive with the blitz. And I guess he was aggressive, too aggressive with the blitz. That way, you know, they just got burned in the passing game a lot. They didn't create a lot of turnovers. And just overall, they weren't a good defense. So Don Martindale is one of my top three candidates. I will say that. But let's go on to the next candidate. That is Steve Wilkes. All right, so let's go on to Steve Wilkes. And this one honestly surprised me out of the blue. I know they conducted an in-person interview with Wilkes. I know they also did one virtual. But this guy, he is in the college ranks right now. He was a former head coach. But let's go through it all together. Let's terms of resume. So he did play for the Charlotte Rage in 93. Overall, Steve Wilkes is 52 years old. Played college at Appalachian State. With that being said... In terms of his coaching career, he was the defensive coordinator between 95 and 96 of Johnson C. Smith, then moved to Savannah State as the same position, defensive coordinator between 97 and 98, was head coach of Savannah State in 1999. Take a look at his record at Savannah State to be specific. It was 5-6. and six. He was gone after that season. Then he went to the Illinois State defensive backs coach, 2001 was at his college, Appalachian State, as defensive backs coach. 2002 moves to East Tennessee State as defensive coordinator. 2003 as the defensive backs coach for Bowling Green. Has the same position the next year with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 2005, secondary coach with Washington. Moves into the NFL with the Chicago Bears in 2006. Holds that position in 2008 as defensive backs coach. Then has the same position for the San Diego Chargers between 2009 and 2011. Then he moves to the Carolina Panthers from 2015, uh, excuse me, 2012 to 2014 was the DB's coach. Moved up to an assistant head coach. 2015 2016 was a defensive coordinator for only one year. I'm surprised. And typically you think of Steve Wilkes. Oh, he's been in the league a while. He's probably a defensive coordinator for a while. I mean, you look at his college ranks. Obviously, he was a defensive coordinator before. But I didn't know he was only a defensive coordinator in the NFL starting in 2017. So, yeah. Then he was head coach of the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. 2019 was the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. 2021, he took over as the defensive coordinator of Missouri in the SEC. So, let's get right into it. Obviously, with 2017, you're not going to see any advanced analytics like missed tackles and pressure percentage, all that other stuff. You'll see that in 2018, 2019, 2021, whatever that stuff. Well, not 2021 because I didn't really do an ex any extended research in terms of Missouri's defense. With that being said, however, in 2017 with the Carolina Panthers, they were 7th 
in total yards per game, 18th against the pass, 3rd against the run, 11th in points per game, 27th in interceptions, but 3rd in sacks, 18th in turnover differential, and 19th in turnovers. In terms of anything they did in free agency, the draft, all that stuff, in terms of signings, Mike Adams, they signed from the Colts. A big one, Julius Peppers, a year, $3.5 million. Kyle Love, they re-signed him. Teddy Williams, obviously, we remember him. He was a preseason signing for the New York Giants, but wasn't much of anything. He had personal issues and, I think, retired from there. With that being said, they only picked, let's see, one, two, three defensive players, really two. They select Deshaun Hall out of Texas A&M in the third round. They also picked Corn Elder out of Miami, cornerback, fifth round, and then drafted defensive end slash fullback Alex Arma out of West Georgia. So, yeah, that's a name to remember. Anyway, with that being said, in terms of their sack leaders, their pro bowlers, so on and so forth, their pro bowlers, Graham Gano, obviously not defense, but more to the defensive side of the ball, Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. Keekley was also an all-pro, along with Andrew Norwell and Darrell Williams. I'm surprised that Julius Peppers and Mario Addison, who were the sack leaders, both got 11 sacks each. I'm surprised they really didn't get a Pro Bowl nomination, but obviously it is what it is. So they had 11 sacks both in terms of Julius Peppers, who had a long career, 33 total tackles, 17 quarterback hits, 10 tackles for a loss, and played in 16 games, started five of them. You look at Mario Addison, total of 11 sacks, 44 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 15 quarterback hits in 16 games. You also take a look at the interception leaders, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis was not elected to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Luke Keekley, one and a half sacks, 125 tackles, was their leading tackler. Makes sense. Five quarterback hits, seven tackles for a loss in terms of fumble recoveries. He had three for 34 yards and a touchdown. In terms of pass deflections, he had six, one forced fumble, and also three interceptions. 15 games started, 15 games played. And then you look at Thomas Davis, 15 games played for him as well, two and a half sacks, one fumble recovery, 76 total tackles, five tackles for loss, and seven quarterback hits. So overall, that Panthers team, they were 11-5, but they did lose to the Saints in the wild card playoffs. So with that being said, you move over to his head coaching opportunity in Arizona. And it was not great. A lot of mixed results there, but mostly on the bad side. With that being said, you look at 2018, anyone they drafted, free agency, stuff like that, they were in a rebuild mode. It was a post-Bruce Arians era, so obviously it wasn't going to be too great for them. In terms of the draft, they only drafted one defensive player, and that was cornerback Chris Campbell out of Penn State, who is now playing in the CFL. With that being said, not much to reflect on in terms of undrafted free agents, all that other shit. With that being said, they went 3-13. and They had one Pro Bowl that was Patrick Peterson. With that being said, overall defense, 20th in total yards per game, 4th against the pass, 32nd against the run, 26th in points per game, 1st in the interceptions, 5th in sacks, 3rd in blitz percentage, 11th in the pressure percentage, 5th in missed tackles, 29th in turnover differential, and 28th in turnovers. Take a look at three guys, Chandler Jones. I feel that if it wasn't for Chandler Jones... And they transitioned from a 3-4 to a 4-3 that year. So Marcus Golden, we all know, didn't have the great year that everybody would have wanted. I know Deion Buchanan had a down year. Hassan Riddick, some of the other guys on that defense we'll talk about in a bit. 
wasn't the most talented in my opinion. But with that being said, also the first year without James Betcher, even though he copy and pasted Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator was Al Holcomb, who is now the run game coordinator with Carolina Panthers. With that being said, though, in terms of uh, Chandler Jones, 13 sacks, a total of 14 tackles for a loss, 39 pressures, 16 games started. Trey Boston was the leader in interceptions. He gave up 25 completions on 45 targets, three interceptions, 357 yards, 90.7 passer rating with five touchdowns given up, 79 total tackles. He's a guy that I wanted in 2019, but the Giants didn't get him. They got Antoine Bertain instead. And in terms of Pro Bowl, Patrick Peterson gave up 35 completions on 60 targets, two interceptions, 16 games played, 58.3 completion percentage, 417 yards, 88 passer rating, four total touchdowns. So in terms of that, you look at the talent on this defense. It wasn't great, at least in my opinion. They did have some key players go down. Olsen Pierre went down. That was a role player. Robert Ingabishi went down, role player. Um, Josh Bynes went down, linebacker. Just You look at this roster, and it's not constructed great. And that was the first year of Josh Rosen. That was also a year where Mike Lennon and Sam Bradford started games. So that was not a good year for the Arizona Cardinals. He was fired after the season. They brought in Cliff Kingsbury, retained some guys, didn't retain some guys. End of story there. So you go to 2019 with the Cleveland Browns. You expect some success. It was the first year of Freddie Kitchens in terms of the draft, free agency, all that stuff. Uh, mostly on the offensive side of the ball, they did add Sheldon Richardson. And they also traded for Olivier Vernon from the New York Giants. In terms of the draft, they selected Greedy Williams in the first round, Sion Takitaki in the second round, Sheldrick Redwine in the fourth round, Mac Wilson in the fifth round, and Donnie Lewis out of Tulane in the seventh round. So they really went all defense here, mostly defense. Greedy Williams, I know he has and had a problem, especially with injuries in his rookie year. He gave up 38 completions on 62 targets. No interceptions for him. 84.9 passer rating. That was in 12 games. And then he only started 8 this past season. 16 games overall. So they drafted Greg Newsome. And they also still have Denzel Ward. But with that being said, total defense overall. I do want to quickly reflect on those players lost. Brian Body Calhoun was one of their starting corners in the past. EJ Gaines went to the Buffalo Bills. Derek Kindred, I, I think he was a role player, so not much. They traded Emmanuel Ogba to the Kansas City Chiefs, won a Super Bowl there. They traded Jabil Peppers to the Giants, obviously. That was a big one. Tanner Vallejo was released and picked up by the Cardinals. Anthony Zeto was released, and the Bengals took him. With that being said, just a bad year for the Browns overall. They went 6-10. and 10. In terms of Pro Bowlers, they didn't have any. Miles Garrett was the leading guy in terms of sacks, but overall, let's not skip. And let's go in chronological order here in 2019. They were 22nd in total yards per game, 7th in pass defense, 30th against the run, 20th in points per game, 9th in interceptions, 20th in sacks, 5th in blitz percentage. Their defensive coordinator was not Wilkes. Actually, what am I talking about? He was the defensive coordinator. I'm an idiot. Anyway, 12th in pressure percentage, 1st in missed tackles, so not very disciplined, 26th in turnover differential, and 20th in turnovers. Their leading sacker, Miles Garrett, had a total of 18 quarterback hits, 29 pressures, 10 sacks, and 29 tackles total in 10 games. Uh, that was the same season. He did hit my, uh, Mason Rudolph over the head with a fucking helmet. 
Joe Schobert was the leading guy in terms of interceptions. He gave up 38 completions on 55 targets, four interceptions, three total touchdowns given up, and a 74.6 passer rating given up in coverage, five pressures, and 133 tackles. He was a hot target for free agency. He's not so hot anymore because he was with Jacksonville. They didn't like him. Moves over to Pittsburgh. They didn't like him either. I think he's a free agent this upcoming year. I would not take a chance on him at all. So that was pretty much 2019 under Steve Wilkes. In terms of his work in the SEC with the Missouri Tigers, in total yards per game, and I'm not doing this in the nation crap, always fifth in the nation, whatever. I'm just going to compare it inside the SEC. There's 14 teams. He ranked 13th, or his defense ranked 13th in total yards per game. In terms of against the pass, they rank 6th. In terms of against the run, they were dead last. Gave up 229.3 yards per game on average. They were 14th against the run. And then points per game, they were 13th. So overall, not the greatest results from Steve Wilkes' Missouri defense. Obviously, they're not as good as the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ole Miss, all that other stuff. But in terms of Steve Wilkes, he mostly runs a 4-3 system. Fluctuating defenses. Obviously had some real success to Carolina that obviously got him to be head coach. I would say just in terms of advanced analytics, outside of sacks, his defenses don't create too many turnovers. And you'll see that with a lot of these defensive coordinators. Mixed stats in terms of the average stats, like total yards per game, against a pass, against a run, points, defense. So he would not be one of my top candidates. I'm just going to leak that out right now. He would not be one of my top candidates. I would have to go with it if he was hired as defensive coordinator, but obviously we are so not there yet. With that being said, one of my favorite candidates is up next, and that is Vic Fangio. So Vic Fangio does run a 3-4 scheme. Obviously, he was known as the defensive coordinator for the Bears. There is interest that he possibly could go to Miami. There's also interest I think he could go to somewhere else. They just hired a head coach. It's escaping me now, but I know Miami was definitely a point of interest. But with that being said, let's go over Vic Fangio, who, who is definitely one of the hotter candidates. Maybe the Giants pull him in for an interview. I don't think that they have. I don't think they have yet, at least from what I'm checking. But he is by far the oldest defensive coordinator candidate on this list. He is 63, so he would already be the oldest coach on the staff. And actually, at the end, I do want to go over that tight end coach that we actually just hired, Andy Bischoff, I think his name is. But go over his resume. He was the linebackers coach of a high school team, Dunmore, between 1979 and 1981. So this is a big fucking career for him. Then moved up to defensive coordinator in 1980 till 1981. 1982 was Milford Academy's defensive coordinator. 1983, took over as a graduate assistant in North Carolina. Then was with the Philadelphia slash Baltimore Stars. I'm guessing that's USFL or AFL or whatever the fuck it is. 1984-1985 was the defensive assistant. Then moved up to the New Orleans Saints between 1986-94 and 94 as the linebacker coach. Then moved to the Carolina Panthers as a defensive coordinator between 95 and 98 was a defensive coordinator for the Colts between 99 and 2001. So he was there during the Peyton Manning era. Then in 2002, he took over for the Texans as a defensive coordinator between 2002 and 2005. Then his tenure with the Ravens, he had one year with John Harbaugh. Those two, I don't think, are on good terms because of that one game Broncos-Ravens this past year where Lamar 
had a couple extra yards to go. They ran for it. It had to do with like over 100 yards or something like that, and Vic Fangio just wasn't happy. Well, as Sean likes to put it, don't put yourself in the position. Don't play like shit. With that being said, he moved to the Baltimore Ravens 2006-2008. He was a defensive assistant and a special assistant head coach. Then 2009 was the linebacker coach for the Ravens. Then went to Stanford, 2010 defensive coordinator. I believe there are some giant players that did know Vic Fangio at Stanford. I know Blake Martinez, I don't think, was in that era that Vic Fangio coached, but both are you know, familiar with Stanford. Then his bigger gig, or one of the bigger gigs, I'm not going to go over it because it's almost 10 years ago, San Francisco 49ers, 7-11-2014, obviously we all know the NFC Championship where Eli got sacked six times, that was Rick Fangio's defense with Alden Smith and all those other guys. Then 2015, he took over as the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator under John Fox. Then he stayed one year under Matt Nagy, 2018. Then 2019, he took over as the Broncos head coach from uh, 2019 to 2021. So let's take a look at his defenses. Obviously, once again, with 2015, 2016, 2017, I'm not going to have the advanced analytics. I also want to make this as short as possible. We are on the third candidate, so we are moving very swiftly, almost 40 minutes. With that being said, Bears, 2015, 6-10, no Pro Bowlers on the defensive side of the ball. In terms of draft picks, they drafted Adrian Amos in the fifth round out of Penn State. So that's a big one. And then they also drafted Eddie Goldwyn in the second round out of Florida State. That was pretty much it in terms of the draft, in terms of you know who they got in. The draft is a part of the defense. With that being said, in terms of Vic Fangio's defense, well, how did they play? 14th in total yards per game. Fourth in passing defense. 22nd against a run. 20th in points per game. 30th in interceptions, 22nd in sacks, 31st in turnover differential, and 32nd in turnovers. Now let's take a look at some of those leaders real quick. I'm just going to pull it up in terms of interceptions and all that other stuff. Let's go back to 2015. Who led in sacks? The answer is, if I'm getting this correctly, 2015, yep. Lamar Houston led in sacks. Then it was Will Young behind him and Pernell McAfee. Lamar Houston had eight sacks, total of 42 tackles, 16 games. Will Young had six and a half sacks, total of 30 tackles, 15 games played. And Pernell McAfee had six sacks, 53 tackles, and a total of 14 games. Then you look at interception leaders, Kyle Fuller, two interceptions that year, 55 tackles, 16 games. Jonathan Anderson, the former Giant, was behind him, one interception, 36 tackles, 11 games played. So, not too much of a successful year. I think that was John Fox's first year as a head coach. He was getting old at that point. He was getting old at that point. I'm not going to put it lightly. 2016. I think it was a better year for the Bears. They did not actually know. It was actually worse. What am I talking about? So, they had half the wins they had in 2015. They had three wins in 2016. I think the offense was really bad, if I can remember. Uh, Jake Cutler was released and announced his retirement from the NFL. Then he went to the fucking Dolphins. Um, Jordan Howard and Josh Sitton with the Pro Bowlers, so no defensive Pro Bowlers. They did draft Leonard Floyd in the first round out of Georgia, though. They also got Jonathan Bullard, defensive end, out of Florida in the third round. Nick Kwiatkowski, who's now a Raider, inside linebacker from West Virginia. Safety Deion Bush out of Miami, who still is a Bear to this day. DeAndre Hall out of Northern Iowa, cornerback. 
Then later, DeAndre Houston Carson, safety out of William & Mary. He is still with the Bears to this day. So uh, I'm surprised at that, but they are key role players and stuff like that. With that being said, I just want to go over to the defensive side of the ball. They were 15th in total yards per game, 7th against the pass, 27th against the run, 24th in points per game, 29th in interception, 12th in sacks, 31st in turnover, turnover differential, 32nd in turnovers. Take a look at the sack leaders. Will Young had 7.5 sacks, 38 total tackles, 9 quarterback hits, 8 tackles for loss, and 16 games played. Then Akeem Hicks, they just signed him from the New England Patriots, and yeah, the New England Patriots, I don't think he won a Super Bowl there. If he did, my mistake. And he was also with the New Orleans Saints. With that being said, he had seven sacks that year, 17 quarterback hits, 11 tackles for a loss, and a total of 16 games. Just take a look at the interception leaders. You had two. You had Tracy Porter, and someone who I didn't know has been playing in this league for a little while, more than I thought. I think he was just starting with the Eagles. Cravon LeBlanc and Tracy Porter both had two interceptions. Uh, Tracy Porter appeared in 16 games with a total of 48 tackles. Then Cravon LeBlanc had two interceptions, obviously, as well. 10 pass deflections, 13 games. Um, I don't know if I said pass deflections. I probably meant interceptions, whatever, so I'll go over it again. Two interceptions, 10 pass deflections, 13 games played, total of 44 tackles, and then Tracy Porter did have nine pass deflections, so not a good year for the Bears. The Giants won against them. They were down in the game, but Rashad Jennings, Sterling Shepard, Will Ty got him back into the game. That's what I remember from that game. So now they draft a rookie quarterback, also known as Mitchell Trubisky. Might be the newest Giants. So, you know, God only knows. I'm just trying to see if I have the right thing. I think I just closed the tab on accent. Let's go to the 2017 Chicago Bears. What did they do? They were 5-11. and John Fox was fired after the season. In terms of the draft, drafted Trubisky, they only had five draft picks. But they did select somebody, you know, a key pro bowler in the future. Safety out of Alabama in the fourth round, Eddie Jackson. Uh, in terms of free agency, not much to really go off of, I think. Um, in terms of roster changes, not much of anything. At least the way I see it. Maybe Bears fans will come after me later and say, you forgot this. Well, you know what? Okay. Anyway, 2017, last year under John Fox, 10th in total yards per game, 7th against the pass, 11th against the run. So a significant uptick in terms of the defense. 9th in points per game, 30th in interceptions. They did not create a lot of turnovers. 17th in sacks, 15th in turnover differential, 13th in turnovers. So I guess with the turnover differential, you do have to keep in mind that Mr. Trubisky was the quarterback. I think Mike Lennon was also the quarterback for the first couple of games, and they had just interchanging guys. Um, with that being said, their turnover differential was actually at a, a good pace or a good, I would just say rate, uh, because in the past I mentioned it was 31st, 32nd. So they must've created either a lot of forced fumbles or they, you know, Mitchell Trubisky must've been really conservative with the football. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky had a total of seven interceptions. So that's not bad. Mike Lennon have five, so I guess that really explains it. But in terms of sack leader, Akeem Hicks had eight and a half sacks, 16 tackles for loss, 39 solo tackles, 54 total tackles, and then 16 games played. In terms of interception leaders, Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller both had two interceptions. Kyle Fuller had 22 pass deflections. Callahan had six in terms of total tackles. 
Fuller at 69, that kind of deserves a nice. And then you have 25 total tackles for Bryce Callahan. Fuller played all 16, while Callahan only played 12. So there's that. Now you move to the Matt Nagy era, 2018, which was the defense's best year. Obviously, they drafted. Uh, so they drafted actually. They drafted Roquan Smith out of Georgia in the first round. Then later on, they got Joel Igubini. I think that's how you say it. Western Kentucky. Bilal Nichols, who would later be a key role player on the defensive line out of Delaware. Then Kylie Fitz, defensive out of Utah. But we all know what happened. We all know what happened in this offseason. They got Khalil Mack, and that was really the move that clicked because some of the guys that, you know, they were just not doing it. And the defense really just came out this year as one of the top defenses. They went 12-4, and and it was because of that defense. Make no mistake at all. Third in total yards per game, seventh against the pass, first against the run, first in points per game, first in interceptions, third in sacks, 23rd in blitz percentage, 12th in pressure percentage, 29th in missed tackles, third in turnover differential, first in turnovers. And then Pro Bowlers, Khalil Mack had 18 quarterback hits, 12 and a half sacks, 47 pressures, total of one interception, 13 games started, 14 games appeared in. Uh, Keem Hicks was a Pro Bowler, Kyle Fuller was a Pro Bowler. He gave up four touchdowns, also had seven interceptions, 68 completions, given up on 121 targets, 56.2 completion percentage, 808 total yards, 63.7 passer rating, and 55 tackles. Eddie Jackson, he was a Pro Bowler that year, six interceptions, 27 completions on 54 targets, 311 yards, two touchdowns, 40.5 passer rating. It seems like since that year, he really hasn't been himself. One sack and 51 total tackles. So there's that. They did lose in the wild card to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then 2019 starts his Denver Broncos era. I'll go over three years with that. Obviously, Ed Donatell was the defensive coordinator, so he wasn't directly controlling the defense. And I can't believe we still have two candidates after this, but obviously it will be short because Sean Desai has only coached, or I should say coordinated, one year in the NFL's defense, uh, defensive coordinator. Anyway, so overall, his Denver tenure did not go great. They went 7-9 and nine the first year, 5-11 the second year, and 7-10 and 10 the third year. So 2019 with the Denver Broncos in terms of pro bowlers, they had two. They had Von Miller, Cortland Sutton, but they also had Justin Simmons as an all-pro. In terms of the defense, 12th in total yards per game, 11th against the pass, 14th against the run. First in points per game, 26th in interceptions. They did not create a lot of turnovers. 18th in sacks, 23rd in blitz percentage, 19th in pressure percentage, 29th in missed tackles, 3rd in turnover differential, 1st in turnovers. Also, you take a look at some of the drafted players as well. They did draft a couple of guys, specifically Draymond Jones in the 3rd round out of Ohio State, and they also drafted Justin Hollins out of Oregon in the 5th round in terms of Guys they traded for, free agency, stuff like that. Dakota Watson from the 49ers. Um, in terms of signings, they they signed Devontae Bosby, but that didn't work out. Bryce Callahan they signed from the Bears, so obviously that was a big one in terms of familiarity. They signed Kareem Jackson. They also signed Juwan James, but did that, that did not work out in the long run. They also signed Cyrus Jones, and they made a couple other signings as well. Cody Sensiball, but... He was later waived to Sean Williams, and that's pretty much it. With that being said, Draymond Jones did have three and a half sacks and 
six pressures in his rookie year in 14 games also in interception. Justin Hollins also had one sack. I mean, just not saying also. But anyway, one sack, four pressures, 21 total tackles in 15 games. Didn't even start a game. I don't think he's on the team. I think he's on the Rams right now. With that being said, the leading sacker, Von Miller, eight sacks, 37 pressures, 20 quarterback hits, 15 games. Derek Wolf, seven sacks, 18 pressures, 12 games started. Leader, leader in interceptions, Justin Simmons, four interceptions, 16 games. Gave up only one touchdown, 28 completions given up on 53 targets, 52.8 completion percentage, 288 yards, 40. 3.6 passer rating with 93 total tackles. So there's that in terms of that. With that being said, they did regress a little bit in 2020. 5-11, and 11, they did have Bradley Chubb as a pro bowler. Also, Justin Simmons and Garrett Bowles really showed out as an offensive tackle in terms of players that they did sign. They re-signed Devontae Bowsby, but that really wasn't much of anything. They also signed Will Parks. And they franchise tagged. Justin Simmons, in terms of his exclusive rights, Mike Purcell, just some little nuggets there. They also signed Mark Barron, but they waived him later on. Um, Christian Covington, he was later traded, so it didn't work out there. And that was pretty much it in terms of really any key players. Also in the draft, they selected Michael Amudia. Cornerback out of Iowa, he did not do good in his rookie year. And listen, it was a third-round pick of out, of, out of Iowa. I'm not going to expect too much, but he just wasn't good. Uh, specifically in that rookie year, he gave up 54 completions on 88 targets, 16 games, 815 yards, three touchdowns, 103.2 passer rating. I guess the passer rating is what sticks out most to me. 62 combined total tackles. They also selected Telvin. Ahim out of Arkansas. Uh, they also selected Justin Sternod, linebacker out of Wake Forest. And then finally, they selected Derek Tuska out of North Dakota State. He was one of the guys I wanted, me personally. Anyway, that being said, 2020, 21st in total yards per game, 16th against the pass, 25th against the run, 25th in points per game, 25th in interceptions, 9th in sacks, so that was surprising, 18th in blitz percentage, 7th in pressure percentage. 25th in missed tackles, 32nd in turnover differential, 29th in turnovers. Pro Bowlers, Bradley Chubb, he took over for Von Miller because Von Miller had the ACL, 19 quarterback hits, 7.5 sacks, 34 total pressures, 14 games started. Pretty much it for Bradley Chubb. Justin Simmons, he had five interceptions, I believe was the leader in interceptions, maybe, maybe not. 42 completions given up. On 54 targets, 77.8 completion percentage. That's a little high. Also a high passer rating, 102.2. Seven touchdowns given up, 96 tackles. Three pressures on the quarterback in 16 games. Lead sacker, it wasn't Chubb. It was actually Malik Reed. Eight sacks, 33 pressures, 53 tackles. Andrew Thomas locked him down in week one of 2021. Just a fun fact. 13 games started, 16 games total. Uh, with that being said, that was pretty much it in terms of 2020. Let's go to 2021. Eighth in total yards per game. Eighth against the pass. Fifteenth against the run. Third in points per game. Seventeenth in interceptions. Nineteenth in sacks. Fourteenth in blitz percentage. Ninth in pressure percentage. Thirty-second in missed tackles. Fifteenth in turnover differential. Twenty-second in turnovers. Take a look at the Pro Bowler 
Justin Simmons was the leader in interceptions. Once again, gave up 32 completions on 54 targets. Played all 17 games. Five, uh, five interceptions, three touchdowns, giving up 66.5 passer rating. Also, one and a half sacks to add to 80 tackles. Sack leaders, Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris. Both had, well, actually, one at six, one at five and a half. Uh, Shelby Harris had a total of 18 pressures, six sacks, 16 games total, and 49 tackles. You also take a look at Draymond Jones. He had five and a half sacks, 21 pressures, 31 tackles overall, and started seven of the 16 games he appeared in. In terms of who did they draft, let's take a look at that right now. For the Denver Broncos, they drafted, let's see if they had any Pro Bowlers, just an All-Pro and Justin Simmons. With that being said, they did draft, let's take a look, Patrick Sertain, that was a big one. They also got Kyle Fuller in free agency, I believe it was this part of free agency was it 2020 or 2021? I want to say it was 2021. They got colored Kyle Fuller. They also got Ronald Darby, and I thought he played well. Um, they drafted Baron Browning out of Ohio State. They drafted two safeties back to back: Caden Stearns out of Texas, Jamar Johnson out of Indiana. They drafted Terry Vincent, who they later traded the Eagles, and they also drafted Jonathan Cooper out of Ohio State and Marquis Spencer out of Mississippi State, and they also got Teddy Bridgewater, along with a couple of other moves. Um, just want to see if it was actually Fuller. Yeah, they got Fuller in free agency along with uh, Ronald Darby, so there, there, there's where that kicks in. Uh, in terms of any other guys really to remark on, uh, I think that's it. I think that's it in terms of the defense. I already went over the stats, so he was later fired. Let me go over my synopsis, my analysis real quickly. terms of Vic Fangio just my overall thoughts and I know we're going to be going over an hour but I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible for you guys try to give you a thing so Vic Fangio is not Don Martindale in terms of getting to the quarterback in strategy they're too different because I think yes Martindale does blitz more but I don't think he gets the amount of pressure and sacks that Vic Fangio's defense does because Vic Fangio noticed with blitz percentage, all this other stuff, he's not that type of guy. He's very laid back. And I think over the years, and this is not a total bad thing because obviously it depends on coaching and talent. Vic Fangio having Khalil Mack in 2018, having Von Miller, all these other guys, that's what gets the sacks. Obviously, um, from his years just overall as a defensive coordinator, not totally up there in terms of turnovers. So you know, you have to make a decision, right? You have to make a decision in terms of turnovers. They were first in 2019 as a total defense in terms of turnovers, but just not big on turnovers overall. So there's really two philosophies. You could just be like Martindale. Listen, we may not create a lot of turnovers, but we're going to get to the quarterback in terms of pressure percentage and blitzing, not totally in sacks. We just want to scare the quarterback, or you could be Vic Fangio. Listen, I need more talent, laid back, stuff like that. Get to the quarterback that way. And I think, honestly, just as uh, a pre kind of thing, a foreshadowing, I honestly think that with the way the Bills do things, they're more of a turnover-forcing team. So you could see them possibly go with a guy like Jim Schwartz. I know, I think... They, in his time, they created a lot of turnovers. Possibly Fangio, possibly Martindale. 
Uh, I would like to think, let me just take a look at Martindale's thing real quickly because I did go over his thing. Might have closed it out. But with that being said, uh, we'll talk about more at the end. So that was Vic Fangio. With that being said, next on our list is Sean Desai. This one really should not take too long. In terms of the 2021 Chicago Bears, let's take a look at it. So he was promoted to defensive coordinator after Chuck Pagano decided to retire after a long career. Sean Desai, overall, let's take a look at him. He is a very young coach. With that being said, he is 38, went to three different colleges, Boston University, Columbia, and Temple. He started his uh, coaching career at Temple 2006-2010 as the defensive and special teams coach, then went to Miami in 2011 as the assistant director of pro football operations, not really pro football, but football operations, then Boston College in 2012 as the running back coach and special teams coordinator, so he does have experience on a lot of different sides of the ball, moved up to the NFL Chicago Bears as the defensive quality control coach between 2013 and 2018, safeties coach 2019 2020, and defensive coordinator in 2021. So, what did this defense looks lo- uh, look like? What did they draft? All that other stuff. Uh, let's take a look. want to take a look at the 2021 Chicago Bears if I can. Gonna go right now. Okay, so in terms of pro bowlers, they had one. That was Robert Quinn. I believe he had 18 and a half sacks it would make sense that he did make the Pro Bowl, and it wouldn't make sense if he didn't make the Pro Bowl. They also had Roquan Smith, so also he's in there as well. In terms of the draft, they really went heavy offense. They did draft They did draft uh, two guys at the end. Thomas Grimm, who had a really good uh, down-the-stretch part of the season in his rookie year, and then Kyrus Tonga, defensive tackle out of BYU. With that being said, not much to go with, and free agency was all part of a rebuild, so you're not going to expect much there. However, Sean decides defense. Sixth in total yards per game, third in passing defense, 23rd against the run, 22nd in points per game, 29th in interceptions, 4th in sacks, 21st in blitz percentage, 23rd in pressure percentage, 22nd in missed tackles, 29th in turnover differential, and 26th in turnovers. Lead sacker, Robert Quinn. 18 and a half sacks, 34 pressures, 22 quarterback hits, 16 games started. Also, you take a look at interception leaders, Deshaun Gibson and Deion Bush. Deshaun Gibson had two interceptions, one sack on the season, 47 tackles. Gave up 23 completions on 30 targets, 50, uh, 76.7 completion percentage, 192 yards given up, one touchdown, 76 passer rating. Deion Bush, he played in 14 games, started four of them, two interceptions, Gave up nine completions on 23 targets, 39.1 completion percentage, 127 yards given up, passer rating of 36, one touchdown given up, 40 tackles. So in terms of this defense, and it's very mixed because you look at the advanced analytics, they don't really favor him in terms of pressure percentage and turnover differential. But you take a look at some of the other stats, they do favor him a little bit. Against the pass, he was good. At least defense was good. In terms of total yards, they were good. And in terms of sacks, they were good. But really, when you look at defense, in terms of, again, you know, against the pass and total yards, those really correlate because you get most of your yards or you really just give up most yards against the passing game unless you're like a team like the 49ers. But it's a passing league, so those two do correlate. And I believe, honestly, that most of the sacks came through Robert Quinn. I feel most in my heart. And just most overall, 
that most of those sacks came through Robert Quinn, and they wouldn't even be up there in terms of sacks if it wasn't for him, because you look at pressure percentage, which is another analytic. Now, obviously, once again, it shows that he's not really a big blitzer. They did have Khalil Mack out for an extended period of time, a couple of injuries on that side of the ball. However, with that being said, just not really much success. Once again, total yards and passing defense correlate a lot. Fourth and sacks, you could really attribute that to Robert Quinn, 18 and a half, and then down the list, you're not going to see much success. So in regards to Sean Desai, we'll see at the end. We'll see at the end how he piles up on my list because I still have to go through one candidate who is really extensive in this area. And that candidate, we'll just go back to 2016, his first year with the Eagles is Jim Schwartz. They did bring in, I believe, for an in-person interview. If they did only virtual, they did only virtual, whatever that being the case. So let's go to Jim Schwartz. So he has a long list. Jim Schwartz is, let's see how old this man is. Jim Schwartz is 55 years old, went to Georgetown College. Then you look at his coaching career, started at Maryland as a grad assistant and a linebacker's coach in 1989, then moved as a grad assistant to Minnesota in 90, then was a secondary coach of North Carolina Central in 91, Moved to Colgate in 92 as a linebacker coach. Was a personnel scout between 93 and 95 for the Cleveland Browns. I think that was actually during the Belichick era. With that being said, was the outside linebackers coach between 96 and 98 for the Baltimore Ravens. Moved on to the Tennessee Titans, which kind of really makes a lot of sense because he was the senior defensive coordinator for the Titans. I'm not going to really consider him like the top defensive coordinator because obviously you have co-coordinators in some of these positions in the NFL, but I really reflect a lot of the success or lack thereof in terms of progress for the defense in terms of, you know, just overall, really on Shane Bowen because he was the def- he was really the defensive coordinator, the play caller, I believe, for the Tennessee Titans. With that being said, defensive assistant in 99 for the Titans. 2000 was a linebacker coach. 2001, 2008 was the defensive coordinator of the Titans. Then moved on to his 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, five-year tenure with the Detroit Lions. That did not go well. Was the Bills defensive coordinator in 2014, took a year off. 2016, 2020 was the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. And 2021 was a senior defensive coordinator and assistant with the Tennessee Titans. So overall, his coaching record, obviously not great. 2-14 in his first year, 6-10 and 10 in his second year. 10 and 6 in his third year. They did lose to the Saints in the wild card game. 4 and 12 in 2012, and then 7 and 9 in 2013. So obviously not reflected as one of the better coaches in Detroit. Now you look at Philly. They did have four Pro Bowlers his first year, but that was Fletcher Cox, mostly offensive. Then you look at the AP All Pros, Brandon Graham on the second team. You take a look at free agent signings. Rodney McLeod was one of them. Brandon Brooks, obviously it doesn't really have to do with defense. They re-signed Nigel Bradham, which was good. And then you take a look really at who they traded, all that other stuff. They traded Eric Rowe to the New England Patriots. Uh, in terms of any other thing regarding the defense, they traded Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso to the Dolphins in terms of trading for picks. In terms of draft, they only drafted a few defensive players. Blake Countess, cornerback out of Auburn. He is now for the Rams. Um, They just cut him. 
He didn't even make the roster. Alex McAllister, Alex McAllister out of Florida defensive end in the seventh round didn't make the roster. And then Joe Walker, linebacker out of Oregon. Currently, he is with the Cardinals. Surprised he's even doing anything. But with that being said, he actually did spend two, three seasons with the Eagles overall. With that being said, how do they do? They went 7-9. and nine. But 13th in total yards per game, 13th passing offense, or passing offense, passing defense, 15th against the run, 12th in points per game, 11th in interceptions, 18th in sacks, 8th in turnover differential, and 10th in turnovers. Then pro bowlers, all pro, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox had 6.5 sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 2 pass deflections, 43 tackles in 16 games. Brandon Graham had 5.5 sacks, 17 tackles for loss, 59 total tackles, and played in 16 games as well so you move over to the 2017 season which they won the Super Bowl they did have a couple of pro bowlers actually won that was Malcolm Jenkins so you kind of see where that comes from but in terms of free agency they did sign Patrick Robinson to a one-year contract they signed Chris Long and that was pretty much it for the defensive side of the ball they also let Connor Barwin go Nolan Carroll um I think that's pretty much it in terms of impact players. In terms of the defense, what they drafted, first three rounds was consistently defense. Derek Barnett out of Tennessee in the first round. Sidney Jones out of Washington in the second round cornerback. And then cornerback Razul Douglas in the third round. Then later on, they drafted Nate Jerry, linebacker from Nebraska. And then Elijah Qualls, defensive tackle out of Washington. So they drafted two Washington guys. With that being said, Elijah Qualls was actually with the Giants this past preseason. Really didn't make much of an impact. But with that being said, they also traded for Timmy Jernigan from the Baltimore Ravens. With that being said, defense fourth in total yards per game, 17th against the pass, first against the run, fourth in points per game, fifth in interceptions, 16th in sacks, fourth in turnover differential, and fourth in turnovers. Brandon Graham. Nine and a half sacks, 47 tackles, total of 14 quarterback hits, 15 tackles for loss, 15 games started. Patrick Robinson was a leader in terms of interceptions, four interceptions, 18 pass deflections, and pro bowler Malcolm Jenkins. He had a total of two interceptions. He had one forced fumble, eight pass deflections, one fumble recovery, one sack, 76 tackles, total of five tackles for loss, played in 16 games, and also had two quarterbacks. Hits. So obviously you mentioned the draft class and all that other stuff. They won the Super Bowl. Nobody cares. It's going to be like that, obviously. Anyway, 2018. 2018, the Eagles went 9-7. and seven. They snuck into the playoffs. They won against the Bears. And then they proceeded to lose against the Saints by a score of 20-14. They did have a few pro bowlers, Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins being those two. In terms of the draft and free agency... They let Michael Kendricks go, Daryl Worley as well. They let go Vinnie Curry and just some other guys, role players as well. In terms of signings, they signed Corey Nelson from the Broncos, Haloti Nada from the Detroit Lions, Paul Warlow from the Lions. Um, in terms of any other guys, I think that's it in terms of defense. Anyway... In terms of the draft, they selected two guys. Avante Maddox, fourth rounder out of Pittsburgh, cornerback. He obviously is one of the better corners, one of the more underrated corners in an unbiased opinion today. And 
also Josh Sweat, defensive end out of Florida State. So he obviously has worked out for them too. With that being said, 2018, they took a little bit of a dip. 23rd in total yards per game, 30th against the pass, 70th, uh, 70th, Jesus Christ. If they were 70th, I think I would explode. 7th against the run, 12th in points per game, 25th in interceptions, 32nd in blitz percentage, 10th in sacks, so that's impressive. 14th in pressure percentage, 21st in missed tackles, 25th in turnover differential, 25th in turnovers. So not very good in terms of creating turnovers, but they did get sacks without blitzing, and they blitzed the least, so that's production right there. Fletcher Cox was their leading sacker, 10.5 sacks, 16 quarterback hits, 46 tackles, 45 pressures, 16 games started. Leader interceptions was Zul Douglas, three interceptions, 53 completions allowed on 76 targets, 69.7 completion percentage, 678 yards, passer rating of 98.5, which isn't great. Four touchdowns, 58 total tackles. And their best cornerback, obviously, was probably Ronald Darby, uh, who later would go into free agency. I wanted him in free agency. Obviously, went back to the Eagles, didn't have a great year. Had one interception, only started nine games, so I guess that was part of the reason why he wasn't elected to a Pro Bowl. 50 completions allowed on uh, 82 targets. 61 completion percentage, 525 yards, three touchdowns, 86.7 passer rating, 43 total tackles. So that was that, 2019. We have two more years to go, and then we could talk about this and get the other topics over with. Because I know we've probably been over an hour already. I know it's probably one of the longer episodes. I'm just going over defensive coordinator candidates, trying to do the best that I can. Anyway, 2019, they had the same record. They actually lost to the Seahawks in the wild card. 9-7. Pro Bowlers, well, they only had one. That was Fletcher Cox. Brandon Graham didn't make a Pro Bowl. But with that being said, the draft... Who did they select? They also signed Malik Jackson in free agency. LJ Ford, former Viking safety, Andrew Sandejo. They also had Vinny Curry, who uh, was an eagle, then a buck, then an eagle once again. In terms of any other guys, they signed Jonathan Cyprian, if you pronounce that, if I pronounce that correctly, really, and Zach Brown from the Washington football team, $3 million. With that being said, move into the departures. Uh, not any big ones. They did release Paul Warlow. They also had Chris Long retire. Shannon Sullivan, Kayla, uh, not Caleb Johnson, Chris Margos also were released. With that being said, they did trade Michael Bennett to the New England Patriots. So that was big. I forgot to mention that they did have Michael Bennett along with their... Did they have Michael Bennett? No, they didn't have Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett was 2018 only. I remember him sacking Eli and beating Nate Solder. Of course, I remember that. With that being said, they also traded for Rudy Ford, Eli Harold, and they also traded for Hassan Ridgeway, and they traded for Jordan Howard, so obviously that was there as well, and they also traded for Duke, uh, Duke Riley, and they traded Jonathan Cyprian there. Anyway, they only selected one guy in terms of defense. That was Sharif Miller, Penn State, fourth round. With that being said, defense... 10th in total yards per game, 19th against the pass, 3rd against the run, 15th in points per game, 23rd in interceptions, 14th in sacks, 19th in blitz percentage, 9th in pressure percentage, 24th in missed tackles, 22nd in turnover differential, and then 21st in turnovers. Their pro bowler, Fletcher Cox, 3.5 sacks, 21 pressures, 40 tackles, 16 games. Then leading sacker, it was Brandon Graham, 17 quarterback hits. 
eight and a half sacks, 30 pressures, 50 tackles, 16 games started. Then interception leaders, Ronald Darby, Sidney Jones, Rodney McLeod, and Nate Jerry. I'm not going to go over this, into the specifics with stats because I don't want to run too much into stuff that really doesn't matter. Ronald Darby didn't have a great year. That's why a lot of teams waited in free agency and then Washington signed him. Uh, Rodney McLeod, he was Rodney McLeod. Sidney Jones, I think he was released the next season. And then Nate Jerry, I mean, he probably had two fluke interceptions. He's not known as a good linebacker. With that being said, you move to the final year of Schwartz, 2020. Uh, they did have two Pro Bowlers, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. They went 4-11-1. They tied with the Cincinnati Bengals. They re-signed Vinnie Curry. They re-signed Rodney McLeod. They re-signed Jalen Mills. They re-signed Hassan Ridgeway. They also signed Javon Hargrave from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jatavius Brown from the Chargers, Will Parsh from the Broncos, Nikel Roby Coleman didn't work out uh, from the Rams. Departures, Sproles retired, Nigel Bradham went to the Saints, Malcolm Jenkins went to the Saints, and that was pretty much it. They also traded for Marquise Goodwin, I believe that was 2020, and they also had Darius Slay the year before. With that being said, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, they went heavy on offense. They drafted Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson in the fourth round. Sean Bradley, linebacker at Temple Local School uh, in the sixth round. And then Casey Tuhill, linebacker out of Stanford. He is now on the Washington football team, for those who do not know. With that being said, just want to see if I missed anything. I don't think I did. Anyway, with that being said, how did the defense do? Very mixed results, 19th in total yards per game, 15th against the pass, 23rd against run, 20th in points per game, 29th in interceptions, 3rd in sacks, 28th in blitz percentage, so they didn't blitz a lot, 2nd in pressure percentage, 11th in missed tackles, 28th in turnover differential, 23rd in turnovers. In terms of Pro Bowlers, Fletcher Cox, once again, popularity contest, 6.5 sacks, 22 pressures, 41 tackles, 15 games started, Brandon Graham, I think he was the sack leader at 8 sacks, 16 quarterback hits, 29 pressures, 16 games. Then leader in interceptions was Marcus Epps. Uh, two interceptions, 72.7 passer rating given up, 81% completion given up, and 230 yards with 47 total tackles. So that's pretty much it in terms of the defensive coordinator part. I'm going to go over this stuff very lightly because I know I've been torturing you guys with uh, this type of shit for the past hour, almost hour and a half. Uh, one of my longer episodes... Don't say I didn't tell you. Go back to the beginning. I'll tell you. Anyway, in terms of candidates, I'll, talk, I'll go over Jim Schwartz real quickly. It seems like, obviously, mixed results once again. I don't think they're top-tier results, but at the same time, he's one of those coordinators where if you give him the talent, he's not going to blitz a lot. He's going to get to the quarterback a lot. Pressure percentage, sack percentage. So, overall, if I'm going to rank my candidates, and there's a different, you know, there's different types of coordinators here. There's aggressive ones. There's not aggressive ones. I think Martindale's the most aggressive. Obviously, Desai is a rookie defensive coordinator. And to be honest, it would fit in terms of being young on the staff. But if you really want to get started on the right foot with this defense and not go through growing pains, you probably want to select one of those veterans. So, honestly, Steve Wilkes would probably be five. Um, Sean Desai would be four. Number three would probably be Jim Schwartz. Number two, 
I'm gonna say Fangio, but it's 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 this. It's this much. And then Martindale. Here's why. Martindale, I feel, gets the most out of his players, and he blitzes a lot. He scares the shit out of QBs a lot when he's got a good defense. And I feel that he just doesn't always need the best talent to do it. Obviously, 2021's a bad example of that. But with that being said, Fangio, I mean, he will need the best talent at times. Even though he's a laid-back guy in terms of getting the quarterback, he's not going to blitz you a shit ton. He's just going to get to the quarterback, pressure percentages up. Same thing could be said with Jim Schwartz. Not top-tier stats for Schwartz, at least, you know, in the top uh, stats like total yards per game, and passing defense, passing offense, uh, not passing offense, rushing defense, total yards per game, points per game, all that stuff. All the basic stats, I don't think they're top-tier. When you go into the analytics and all that stuff, you'll probably get more feel for Jim Schwartz. Sean Desai, as I said, he'd probably fit in if they wanted to hire him as a young coach. Probably wants to go, you know, they want to go through some pains, growing pains as a play caller, kind of like they would Mike Kafka. And then Steve Wilkes, I mean, it kind of confuses me. Um, He's had two years of coordinating in the NFL, one as a head coach and one in college. And just recently, and I understand Missouri, obviously not one of the greater programs in the SEC, But with that being said, they were almost last in every category. So Martindale, Fangio, Schwartz, Desai, and finally Steve Wilkes. So some minor stuff to talk about. Davis Webb and Jamie Gillen signed. Uh, Jamie Gillen apparently, according to the stats in EPA, which is an advanced analytic, had a worse year than Riley Dixon. So there's two things going on. Possibly it's either Gillen's going to be Dixon's competition, they're going to try to make Gillen better, or they're just going to go ahead and make another future signing, cut Riley Dixon, and then bring somebody else in as the main punter. But Riley Dixon did have the better season out of the two punters. Davis Webb, I mean, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect the Giants to take him back so quickly because he was one of their third-round picks. Thank you, Mark Ross. Thank you, Jerry Reese. The future's back. Yes, Davis Webb, the future. I'm joking with that, but uh, with that being said, Davis Webb is back. He's going to compete with Jake Fromm. Any backup that the Giants bring in, Daniel Jones. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they do bring in a competent backup because Davis Webb and Jake Fromm are not going to cut it. Um, Obviously, go over the Senior Bowl in just a second. Some candidates out there. I want to go over Andy Bischoff. He did make a nice quote. Andy Bischoff. I apologize for butchering that. So to go overall, uh, go over him overall, 51 years old, went to South Dakota. He spent a lot of time uh, at Creighton Durham Hall High School between 93 and 97 as the offensive line coach, then moved up to run game coordinator between 98 and 99, was the co-offensive coordinator for the same school between 2000 and 2003, assistant head coach and offensive coordinator between 04 and 07, then went to the CFL. With the Montreal Alouettes, running back coach and offensive quality control coach, 2008-2009. Then was the special teams coordinator, running backs coach, and assistant to head coach. So a lot of opportunities to take on between 2010-2012. Was a tight ends coach and staff coordinator for the Bears between 13 and 14. Baltimore Ravens as an offensive quality control coach, 2015. 2016-2017 was an offensive assistant. Uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, 2018-2020, assistant tight ends coach. Then for the Houston Texans, was a tight ends coach in 2021, and now is hired as New York Giants tight ends coach. He was a great cup champion twice. 
with the Montreal Alouettes. So he did have a good quote, and I kind of want to bring this up. If I could just find it real quickly, because I'm taking a lot of your time. With that being said, let me just try to scroll. Uh, trying to find my team. Okay, so he basically says you need your tight ends versatile in the passing game and in the running game and the importance of blocking and all that other stuff. Go watch it. I think it's on YouTube. He does speak about it just this past year with the Houston Texans. Here's what I say. Here's what I say overall. I said this on Twitter. The Giants sent out dummy packages with Caden Smith or Chris Myrick and Kyle Rudolph, so you knew they were running the football. They did the opposite in the passing game with Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. Even when they swapped it occasionally, the Giants could not run block successfully. Let's see what this what this guy does and how he runs his group. So I'm very excited to see that. Personally, I wanted the guy, I forget his name, his name, his name escapes me now. The guy from the 49ers, he just recently got let go and he helped develop George Kittle. But apparently, uh... Bischoff did have some influence on developing a guy by the name of Mark Andrews. I don't know if you've heard of him. But let's go over the Senior Bowl real quick. Uh, obviously, I mentioned I was on Joel Yaddo's stream with Big Pat and Super Taj. So some players to watch, some prospects to watch that really stood out to me. In terms of practices, I thought the defensive lineman stood out. That Travis guy, I don't know where he's from. His name escapes me now in terms of the last name, but he... I think it was Travis Jones. Travis Jones was his name. He had a couple of good reps. Zion Johnson out of Boston College, I thought he did well. In terms of the game, he did play a little bit of center, which is obviously good for versatility of the Giants. I personally would want him in the second round if he's there. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida, I think he did good in the practices. He dominated a lot of the uh, tackles. I think he dominated Darian Kennard once or twice. Definitely, obviously, that highlight where he pushes down the 387-pound Daniel Falele. Now you take a look at the game, and I actually was talking to Dante Pettis about this on Twitter because I guess he was up and just saying, well, what did you guys do today? And I responded, hey, I watched the Senior Bowl. He goes, who do you like? And I responded with these guys. Boy Mafe, he had two sacks. I want to see if I can pull up the Senior Bowl uh, box score because that would be so much easier. And I can. They don't show anything defensive. But with that being said, Boy Mafe out of Minnesota, he is a sleeper. He is a sleeper. Jesse Lucetta out of Penn State, he got a sack. Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Agbania out of UCLA. Jalen Petre, who did get the interception off Bailey Zapp, he stands out to me. Maybe second, third, fourth round, wherever you want to pick him. Giants need safety. Abram Smith out of Baylor, running back. I think he's a much more productive, much chunkier Devontae Booker. Obviously, we don't know what the future is with Saquon. There's some rumors there, whatever. Maybe I'll spend a little time on that. I don't think so. Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Uh, we definitely need a tight end. At least two tight ends this offseason. Because Caden Smith is probably not the guy. I want him to be the guy so bad. But he's been just mistreated by the past couple of coaching staffs. Um, so he's probably not the guy. Trey McBride. Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. I think he also caught a touchdown. So there's that. But uh, the tight ends, the defensive line, Jalen Petre and Abram Smith out of Baylor, they look good. Quarterbacks, let me fucking clear the air right now about this because I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it once. I'll probably repeat it. Quarterbacks do not look impressive. Quarterbacks do not look impressive. Uh, obviously, you had six. You had three on one side. You had three on the other. Desmond Ritter was probably the most impressive. 
Kenny Pickett really didn't impress, though. He was 6 for 6, 89 yards and a touchdown because he really wasn't a simple offense with Pittsburgh. So, obviously, a lot of people don't pull too many things out of there. Uh, in terms of Malik Willis, in terms of the other guys, I thought Sam Howell did okay. Um, in terms of Howell, like, he looks like Baker Mayfield. But overall, with quarterbacks, I stand that the you know, Daniel Jones is not the answer for the New York Giants. Can he prove me wrong? I hope so. But don't fucking take a quarterback in this class. There was one throw, and I'm not hating, as they say on Malik Willis, but there was a pass interference penalty, and he just severely underthrew it. Severely. It was at least five yards short of the receiver, and there's been problems, apparently, with him scanning the field and all this other stuff. So I'm just not going to trust this quarterback class. And maybe if Pickett's the guy or Willis is the guy or the, the top guy in their class, you know, let's let's trade back. Let's trade back with something. Maybe the Vikings want to get a quarterback. I don't know. But uh, if they're seriously the best quarterbacks in this class, Pickett, Willis, whatever, they're going to go before the Giants because there will be a team that trades up, gets a quarterback before anyone else can, despite the fact that a lot of the analysts, and I don't agree with analysts a lot. I think they're bullshit artists a lot. But I just don't believe in getting a quarterback. They say, well, it's not really, you know, it's it's not really a good class of quarterbacks. Probably not going to be starters. So there's that in terms of the Senior Bowl discussion. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, James Bradbury, Saquon Barkley rumors. I'm just going to clear the air right now. Overall, my thoughts. Um, in terms of those rumors, is there truth to them? It's a possibility. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's false. James Bradbury has a $21 million cap hit this year. You could save $12 million by cutting him. So I think the Giants will definitely do that. They could sign a guy like Levi Wallace or Taron Johnson in free agency if Taron Johnson is a free agent. But there are some quality Buffalo corners in free agency. Um, in terms of Saquon, if you could trade him to the Buffalo Bills, if you could trade him to the Seattle Seahawks or a running back needy team, go ahead. I would not be against trying him in this new offense with a potentially new offensive line. But with that being said, you know, if you could get him for something and his value is there right now, go get him for a bag of groceries. And here's what I don't like. Here's what I don't like. Get these smart asses on Twitter, right? Ryan Dunleavy. He says, and I replied to this, by the way. Um, Tell me, please tell me. You didn't. Okay, here we go. He says, the same Giants fans who want to take a bag of groceries for Saquon are the ones who will be screaming when he has 1,500 yards, no scrimmage, for the Dolphins next year. And here's why I said, okay, but injury-prone plus running back, what plus one good season, insert, uh, excuse me, let me do the math equation over again, injury-prone running back plus one good season to the power of insert unintelligent front office equals big payday that doesn't last 25% of the contract. So... I'm just overall, I'm not going to fucking pay Saquon Barkley. I'm not paying Daniel Jones. And personally, me, maybe I'm a little biased, whatever. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to ask for that if he has a good year. But with that being said, I don't think Saquon's going to be uh, patient. I think he's going to want his money. And listen, he can go get it somewhere else. He's been injury prone. Daniel Jones has been injury prone. I'm not afraid to say it. Whatever. Like, comment, and subscribe, turn on post notifications. You don't want to live stream pops and video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. An hour... In 30 minutes, close to. I apologize. I know I'm taking a lot of your guys' time. Appreciate the ones that are being here, the ones that are in the premiere. With that being said, 
Uh, check out Twin Bill Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NYY News TV. Also, it's going to be on Apple Podcasts. And then also, Boys of the Big Apple, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We probably won't have Sean, but with that being said, we'll have a couple of guests come on. I know Rams content creator is coming on for the Super Bowl part. Uh, I think Bobby Skinner is going to come on for the Senior Bowl part. So we're going to have an interesting conversation and try to get as many people on as possible. Anyway, guys, peace out. See you later. Stay cool, and thank you for supporting.